Hi there, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. Strive to enter by the narrow door, for many, I tell you, will try and will not be able. So says Jesus as regards entering into the kingdom of God. And like so many of his teachings, it demands from us a response. But as it turns out, where this response is concerned, time is of the essence. That's a truth at the heart of today's message, which is based on Luke chapter 13, verses 22 through 30, and is entitled, Windows of Opportunity. The story goes that one day, Arthur's friend, Walter, picks him up and the two of them go for a drive together some 25 miles away from the city out into the country. And at some point along the road, there's this large, uninhabited and rather unkempt expanse of land where Walter pulls his car over to the curb and, and he begins to share with Arthur his dream. You see, Walter's just closed on the purchase of some acreage on this land, and now he's trying to convince Arthur to buy some of the land in adjoining his so that he might develop it and build hotels and restaurants that Walter's dream for his land would most certainly generate. Walter and Arthur, you see, are friends. And Walter really wanted his friend to share in his dream, to get in on the ground floor, or at least the ground, so to speak. And Walter's laying it all out in great detail. And as he's doing so, Arthur is thinking it over. And he's skeptical. He's realizing almost immediately that the logistics of such a thing were, to put it, mildly staggering. I mean, never mind all the difficulties that would inevitably arise in creating such a thing. The infrastructure alone could prove to be insurmountable. But even if that could be dealt with, Arthur still couldn't help but wonder who would possibly drive 25 miles out of the city for the sake of such a crazy idea as what Walter was proposing. Now understand, Arthur has known uh, Walter a, a long time, and, and he doesn't want to disappoint his friend, but in all honesty, Arthur's thinking that maybe Walter's dream had gotten the better of him. So, mostly for the sake of their friendship, after he's all done, he tells Walter he'll think about it. Walter, however, can't wait that long. He really wants, really needs to know Arthur's decision right away. And there's this long, incredibly awkward pause. And in the end, it's just too risky a venture. And he says no. And so it was that Art Linkletter turned down his friend Walt Disney and the opportunity to buy land around that which would eventually become Disneyland. 
And as the late Paul Harvey used to say, now you know the rest of the story. I love that story, actually. And perhaps not as huge as what I just described to you, it really speaks the truth, doesn't it? I think you'll agree with me when I say that life is filled with what's often referred to as windows of opportunity. Those moments when the world opens up before us in unexpected ways and which could quite possibly result in a new adventure or, for that matter, a long-held regret, depending on your response. You know what I'm talking about here. I would wager a guess that most of us here could probably tell stories about a chance encounter, the unexpected invitation, or some other random offer that comes our way that not only changed our expectation and experience, but maybe even shifted the course of a lifetime. How often is it that the side road that you took on a whim led to the best part of a vacation and a cherished memory? Maybe there was a business venture in your life that paid off big. I know, in my case, there was a blind date that led to romance. 33 years of marital bliss and counting and three adult kids who have people that they love and who love them. Hey, you just never can tell what that window of opportunity might bring forth, but only when it's open. And in that regard, of course, I also suspect we've all had the occasion to look back at an opportunity and wonder if only for a fleeting moment, uh, what if? What if we turned left rather than right that morning? What if we had gone with one college major rather than the other, took one career path rather than the first? Uh, what if we'd invested in some endeavor when we'd had the chance or the means but didn't? You know, we tell, still tell the story in our family of how my parents back over 40, maybe even 50 years ago, had had the chance to purchase a piece of undeveloped property on our lake for $3,500. And for various reasons, it didn't happen. But that today, that property, undeveloped, mind you, is valued at well, well over 10 times that amount today. I tried actually to look it up and get a sense of what it is, but couldn't find it. But I will tell you what, once the, the buildings are put on that, we're talking a lot of money. What if we'd done that? Oh, well. Be it out of necessity or preference, you make your choices, right? You make your choices in this life and you move on. But make no mistake, windows of opportunity are unpredictable, they're often inconvenient, and they are rarely easy. They require us to weigh the pros and cons of a particular decision to be made, to consider the, the varying amounts of possibility and, and, and the risk that's involved. And more often than not, they are opportunities that are swift to pass by, aren't they? So generally speaking, you can't stop and think about it for very long or it's over. So yeah, you make your choices. But oftentimes, one way or the other, those choices are tough to make. 
Well, our text for this morning from Luke is all about the choices we make, as well as the windows of opportunity we have to make them. And we approach this text understanding that it's not an uncommon theme in the Gospels. There are, in fact, a wealth of stories of men and women who seized upon an opportunity involving Jesus. For instance, there is the story about the woman who had been hemorrhaging for 12 years, the one who dared to push her way through a crowd just so she could touch the hem of Jesus' cloak, the hem of his garment. She was not about to let this opportunity for healing pass her by. And it turned out that by her faith and courage, she was healed. On the other hand, however, remember the story of the so-called rich young ruler? That was the one who came to Jesus seeking eternal life. But when Jesus told him what he needed to do to achieve it, which was to sell all he had and to give the profits to the poor, we're told he went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Despite the massive and certain opportunity that was before him, this rich young ruler could not bring himself to make such a large leap of faith. And thus the opportunity before him was missed. No wonder he was grieving. In each case, you see, there were difficult choices to make. Decisions in that singular moment whether to act or not. And the choice was theirs and theirs alone. But of course, only the one choice leads to the glory of what awaits. Which brings us to this morning's reading in which Jesus is traveling on the road to Jerusalem, going from village to village, it says, and And someone in the crowd comes up to ask him, Lord, will only a few be saved? Now, in one sense, at least, it's a simple enough question. It really kind of speaks to a matter of affiliation where Israel's concerned. Will it only be Israel? Will it be all of God's people? Will only a few be saved? But you see, as Jesus so often does, instead of answering this question directly, he gives the questioner, and by extension us, a word of caution, and it should be said, a word of urgency. Strive to enter through the narrow door, Jesus says, for many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able. That in and of itself, you got to know, would have led the crowd to stop talking and pay attention. I mean, the very idea of entering through a narrow door, of the image of squeezing through an opening not quite big enough to get through. These people understood immediately that it was speaking of the discipline and the cost of discipleship that Jesus, in fact, spoke of very often. In fact, what you might not know here about this passage is that when Jesus says to strive to go through that narrow door, The Greek that gets translated as the word strive is actually agonizomai, which is where our words agony and agonize come from. And that means just about what you think it does. A strenuous exercise of muscle and willpower, not unlike what it takes for athletes to win medals 
at an Olympic event. It's agony, in other words. This business about how many, if any, will be saved ends up not about the law, nor about affiliation or geography or privilege, but almost but, uh, but about who has chosen to enter by that door and how they enter by that door. Entry by the narrow door requires passionate devotion, not half-hearted commitment. One needs to agonize over entering that narrow door of salvation. So what we have in this little passage, if not a window, is Jesus offering up a doorway of opportunity that requires from us a decision, a choice. And one thing we know for sure, that any choice, whether it's a purchase of a household item to the decision of whether or not to follow Christ, it means that by making this choice, you're going to be forsaking other choices in the process. Jesus makes it clear. You strive to go in through the narrow door, or you don't. It's up to you. It's up to you alone. But understand, you've got to make a choice. And it's an urgent choice. For that doorway of opportunity will not be open forever. The door, it will close at some point. And when it closes, it'll be too late for you. The opportunity that you have right here and right now before you will have passed. And if that's not foreboding enough, then consider what Jesus says next. It's a parable, rather disturbing parable, and where there's this householder who welcomes people into his home until the moment comes when it's time to shut the door. And once that door is shut, the people who are running late, those who had preferred to linger out in the yard, the rest of the crowd who were basically waiting around for a better party to come along, now they're all out of luck because now the door is closed and it's too late. Picture it. Inside the house, there's this incredible feast going on with people in attendance from the four corners of the earth. But outside, there are all those who missed the opportunity to come inside when it was offered. And as though to add insult to injury, we're told that when the latecomers knock on the door to uh, appeal to the householder's better nature and to ask if they might still come in, in reply he will say, I don't know where you come from. Get away from me, you evildoers. And as the message goes on to translate, and all the time, you'll be on the outside looking in and you'll be wondering whatever happened. It's the great reversal. It is the world turned inside out and upside down. It is a common image when Jesus is describing the coming of the kingdom God. When the last will be first, the first will be last. And so it will be with you, says Jesus, if you don't take advantage of this opportunity right here and right now. It's harsh. I'm not kidding. This is not exactly one of the more feel-good parables of the Gospels. Because the bottom line is that nobody wants to be shut out. 
bothers us even to hear about that. No one wants to miss out on the banquet that's inside. But in life, you see, and especially in faith, we need to understand that there are things that are available to us for a limited time only. So we had better act now because this offer might end without notice. Listen to the radio, you will hear it 17 times a day. Once the time for the offer has passed, it's over. But here's the good news within the warning, friends. And it's not only that the door is still open, but also that there is one who's standing there, who's watching us, who keeps bringing forth opportunities for us to come inside. See, our God is not about the exclusion. That's not what this is about. Our, it's, what the story is about is the, our God who fills up our lives with the windows of opportunity for chances for us to make life a more holy thing, perhaps that we might find and to deepen our relationship with Jesus Christ. And it can happen in a multitude of ways. Perhaps in the opportunity we have for worship, for prayerful reflection, and an immersion, if you will, into the riches that are found in God's Word. Maybe it comes in the chance that each one of us are given from time to time to actually apply what we profess to know in faith in a real-life situation. Say, for instance, in how or who we view as our neighbor and how we should regard them and treat them. Or it could be it comes in that fleeting moment that comes to each of us sooner or later, maybe repeatedly, when we can reach out with love to someone in need, whether we know them or not to be there for somebody in a time of difficulty, to provide a listening ear in a moment of crisis. My point here is that this window of opportunity does not have to be some grand and momentous occasion. And may I also say here that these windows transcend all the political and cultural conundrums of this world. These things might just happen in the smallest and simplest and seemingly uninconsequential moments of this life. To quote Arthur Gordon, it's that almost always there is a lot more to the commonplace happenings in this life than meets the casual eye. And most people would find a lot more in them if only they would pause and look and feel and care just a little bit more than what they do. You see, the nature of such windows of opportunity is that while they tend to be brief and while they almost certainly involve some risk and sacrifice on our part, they also will bring us into deeper relationship with God in Christ. They will lead us to discover the nature of the kingdom of God. And it will, in the process, help us know the worth of our true selves. But the thing is, you know, I'll say it again, it's our choice 
whether to go with the opportunity that's before us or not. In truth, these days, in these days of confused situations, we do tend to, in the words of the late cartoonist Walt Kelly, be surrounded with insurmountable opportunities. Let me tell you, friends, there's not a day that goes by in which our faith in Jesus Christ does not provide some opportunity for graceful, loving, just response to the situations of our lives and to the destructive ways of the world that surrounds us. I ask you, friends, how would it be if we truly seize the opportunity to live as true disciples of our Lord Jesus? What would happen to you and me if we got up off our collective doubts and fears and started living like the people we know way down deep inside that God wants us to be? How would it be for you and me if we were to live wholly and fully like a believer? Let me tell you something, beloved. The older I get, the more I have come to realize that faith is not so much about doing great things for Christ as it is doing small things greatly. And to do small things greatly for Christ comes simply in seizing the moment, seizing the opportunity, opening up that window of Christianity in our own hearts and through our own lives. Because you see, friends, the window's open. The doorway is being held open for us to enter. It might be a bit narrow. Some of us who are a bit portly might have a struggle getting in there. But we can enter. Because God is waiting. God will open that door. God wants us to come in and will keep that door open for now. We don't want to miss, though, because it could close. And so what else is there left to say except carpe diem? Seize the day. Seize this day. Do what you can. Do what you should. Do what you are privileged to do. Do what you have the opportunity to do for the sake of Christ and his kingdom. And may our thanks be to God as we do. Amen and amen. And that's the message we entitled Windows of Opportunity. It was recorded during our August 25th service of worship at East Congregational Church. As always, if you're looking for a church home or if you're visiting the Granite State this summer and looking for a place to worship, we'd love to welcome you at East Church. We gather every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock and we're located on 51 Mountain Road in beautiful Concord, New Hampshire. As I'm very fond of saying, we're a small but mighty congregation and I guarantee you will feel welcome the minute you walk in the door. I'd love to have a chance to greet you. 
Well, that's it for another installment of Love to Tell the Story. This is Michael Lowry. I thank you for listening. And I do appreciate all your support of this podcast. So keep in touch. Let me know what you're thinking. And until next time, may God bless you with a great day. Talk to you soon.